this here, here four weeks ago, Endgame, and, and today what I want to do is I want to finish with Philippians 4. Uh, Brandon read through Philippians, just uh, one of the passages of Philippians 4 here, he was, he was talking about the, uh, the offering, and, and I, I ask you a question that I, I it's, kind of, it's kind of loaded because I already know the answer, but how many of you would be willing to admit that you have ever, not that you're currently, but you ever worry in life? Yeah. yeah, yeah, a little bit. You know, you stand in front of people and you worry. I wonder how they're going to take going to two services. Let's see what happens here. Worry, I, I find, is, is a, uh, it's, it's almost like it's a part of life. I read a, a meme yesterday online. It was this little post, and it said this. It says, prayer is surrendering, surrendering your problem while worry is worshiping your problem. Prayer is surrendering the problem, whereas worry, which is what we all tend to do, is worshiping the problem itself. Uh, now, next week, I'm, I'm super excited. We're going to start a, uh, a new series on contentment. Brandon here this morning, just a little bit ago, talked about uh, gratitude. I'm going to start off the series uh, on contentment talking about a heart of gratitude, an attitude of gratitude. Uh, there's something about in learning to be content. Now, notice I, I didn't say complacent. I said content. There's something about learning to be content that comes from a, a, grateful, a grateful heart. That comes from, like we've been learning here in, in Philippians, this idea, this mentality, this focus, this mind shift, a perspective on the end game. It's not just about me and the here and now, but it's realizing that there's a bigger picture at play. And all of a sudden realizing that there's, there's a way that we can have contentment right here in the here and now. I have uh, the fall, So next week I'm going to be doing uh, Heart of Gratitude, Attitude of Gratitude. And then the following week I've asked Greg Smith to come up. He, he's uh, one of the elders here at the church. And I've asked him to share on December the 1st uh, to kind of wrap up this contentment speaking directly about being content. It's going to be a great opportunity. You don't want to miss it. The following Sunday, December the 8th, I'm super excited to, to say that uh, I've been talking to Ron Corzine, my pastor. He oversees me in this church here, and, and he's going to be coming in on December the 8th. Just finished writing a book, got it back from the publishers, and, he, and I've said, man, I'd love to have you out. Have you, uh, there's a number of people that have already expressed an interest in purchasing the book, but he wanted to come out and be able to sign for, for those that follow him on Facebook or they just wanted to pick up an extra book. So he's going to be here December the 8th. Lots of stuff going going on. Make sure to look back in your bulletin to see everything that's happening. There is some great stuff. But listen, coming back to Philippians chapter 4, wrapping up this in-game series and this thought that worry is worshiping your problems. All of us, I think at one point or time, at one point in time or another, we worry. Some worry about the economy. Some worry about finances, the stability of their jobs. Some worry about their health. Others worry about relationships, relationships that they've had and lost or relationships that they currently have and are afraid of losing. Most people with kids worry about their children. Um, unless you're me and Melissa and your kids got left at home this morning because you just you forgot them. <laughs> Thank you, Lee Jane, for... <laughs> Running and picking up my daughters who were home alone. But the list goes on and on and on. You worry about different things that are happening at all, all, at all different times. We worry. I heard someone define worry as this. Listen here. This, 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 this will rock you. Worry is the sin of distrusting the promises, the power of God. 
We've done a couple series here where we, we read through Scripture. We read about what God says about us, about what God says about who we are. And, and, and so worry is really just the direct opposite of believing what God says. Worry is the sin of distrusting the promises, the power of God. And what I want to do today is I want to show that worry really is a matter of perspective. Worry is a matter of perspective. I'll give you an example like this. I grew up, I grew up uh, miles from South Padre Island. Um, that's where I was born and raised. And, and my dad, him and I would go out, we'd go surfing all the time. Uh, loved to go out on South Padre, go surfing. Again, not the greatest of surf spots. If you're a surfer, you know. But, but still, we had fun. Uh, and one of the things growing up on the coast that I was accustomed to was hurricanes. Hurricanes you can be prepared for. You, you have at least a week's notice. You know when they're coming. You know what's happening. You know whether or not you need to really be prepared or whether you can just kind of get by. In fact, I still remember going out with my dad. It was in the uh, early 90s. There was a fairly large hurricane coming in. And, and again, matter of perspective, we'd dealt with hurricanes before. Him and I grabbed our surfboards, went down to the island, and we were going to surf. As the hurricane is hitting land, him and I are surfing the sets that were. I mean, some of the greatest sets that I've ever surfed were that, that hurricane coming in. Segway, years later... I moved to a little town in northwest Kansas called Oakley uh, to be with Melissa. Now, Oakley, Kansas does not have a coastline. What they do have are ruby red slippers and toto. <laughs> and at any given point in time, and you guys, you're familiar, you know I was, I was not. All of a sudden, a siren can be going off. And you're sitting there hearing a siren going, what a... What do I do? Well, get to your cellar. I don't have a cellar. Uh, what? You, uh. All of a sudden, I'm... Now, at the same time, I'm kind of really excited. Like, I've, I've seen Dorothy. I've seen the Wizard of Oz. I'm peeking out the front door. Can we, can we see it? Like, can I, can I... Do I need to hide right now? Do I get in the bathtub? Where do I go? Worry is a matter of perspective. What you're used to, what you're accustomed to, or the way that life has dealt you life lends itself to what you worry about today. Worry being a matter of perspective. What we worry about it being a matter of perspective, and if there's anyone, if there's anyone that had a true reason to worry, we would know after having studied Philippians these last few weeks, it would be Paul. Paul is thrown in jail, thrown in prison for preaching the gospel. Something that he'd always wanted to do, something that he loved to do, but now he's in jail, not just in jail, but he's chained to a Roman guard 24 hours a day. He's awaiting a trial that would determine his, whether or not he was to be executed. Life or death. He's on death row. Oh, if there's any, look, if, if you're in jail today, on death row, you have reason to worry. I, I, I mean, you know, there's, there's thoughts. There's questions. But it was Paul Knowing that at any given point in time, they could come along and behead him. And at any given time, but at the same time, Paul had a different perspective on worry than what I would assume worry was worrisome. It was Paul who wrote, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing. He went on, he said, uh, can trouble, can hardship, can persecution, can famine, nakedness, peril, sword, can any of these separate you from the love of God? No, he adamantly said. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Why? Because he could say that, he could write that, because he had a different perspective on worry, on situations than I think a lot of us have. Paul 
had seen the faithfulness of God in, in, in times. Look, I, mean, I don't care how bad you've, you've had life, what your past is like. Paul's job, his income, his source of provision, before he was Paul, when his name was Saul, his, his job was to go around persecute, torture, to kill Christians. If anything should put you on the bad side of God, I would think that could be one of them. That was his job, and yet God, even through that, even knowing that, that, that Paul was doing that, still took the time out to say, man, Paul, I, I love you, and I have something better for you. I have something bigger planned for you. Paul has seen faithfulness of God through life tragedies more so than, than most of us could ever imagine. He had seen God be faithful when he was shipwrecked, when he should have died. He had, he had seen the faithfulness of God when he had been bitten by poisonous snakes. He was persecuted, he was whipped, he was left for dead, and yet still he had seen the faithfulness of God time and time again. He was stoned, imprisoned, and yet still saw the faithfulness of God, and because of what he had experienced, he was able to say, you don't have to worry. You don't have to worry. And that's what Philippians 4 is, the whole gist behind the whole chapter is, is look, you don't have to worry. I want to pick up in Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 4, it says this, Rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all, the Lord is near. Again, he's writing from prison. He's writing from a place that I would have considered not very joyful. But what I love about this, we, we talk so many different times about uh, Paul wrote, count it all joy when you endure hardships, when you endure trials. And, and I don't think we truly correlate what the issue is. But, but Paul kind of expounds, because he says rejoice so many times when he writes. Rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. But here, he goes in just a little bit deeper. It's not rejoicing in the circumstance. It's not rejoicing in the bad, it's, it's rejoicing in the Lord, because no matter what happens, no matter whether my circumstance changes for the good or for the bad, he is still faithful, he is still just, he will never leave me nor forsake me, so I can rejoice in the Lord no matter what. Rejoice in the Lord. Always, I will say it again, rejoice, let your gentleness be evident to all, the Lord is near. You don't have to worry when you know the Lord the way that Paul knew the Lord. And so he teaches us, I believe, through Philippians 4, I want to focus on two different things that Paul is teaching us. The first one is this. We don't have to worry about the what, about what will happen in our lives when you know who is in charge. So many times we're always worried about what's going to happen, what's, what's coming up, what's going to happen here, how will this turn out, what, 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 what. But, but you don't have to worry about what will happen when you know who is in charge. Continuing on in verses 6 and 7, it says this. Therefore, don't be anxious, don't worry about anything, but in everything, small, big, large, whatever it is, whatever is going on in everything, by prayer, by petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Even something that, I mean, look, we're, we're always pretty good about giving God the big things, right? Oh, man, this is, this is a tough one. I better go to God on it. But he says in everything, in all things. So even something that you would consider small, present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding, which goes beyond the human ability to comprehend, to understand, will guard your heart, guard your minds in Christ Jesus. Look, some of you here this morning are, are just a, a wound up ball of worry. It's It's commonplace. How many of you would be willing to admit that you're a wound up ball of worry? 
How many of you are so worried about what somebody might think that you're not raising your hand because you know you're a wound up ball of word? <laughs> and God's saying to you, you don't have to worry about the how when you got me on your side. Don't be anxious about anything. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. We must learn to trust in the Lord. If you're worried about your finances, what do you do? Well, you do what God tells you to do. We trust him with the tithe. We live beneath our means. And then what? And then we give the rest to him. You're worried about your finances, worried about your relationships, worried about your kids, worried about your spouse. Uh, here we are. We're coming up into the Thanksgiving holidays. How many of you are worried about uh, relatives that you're going to have to see? Don't raise your hands. Don't. My gosh. Man. This is. This is one of those questions you just keep your hands down. <laughs> Some of you are quick. <laughs> Look, I, we do. We worry about so many different things all the time. <laughs> we worry about our, our, our kids, our spouse, our relatives, and, and we worry about our job. We worry about our health. We worry about the health of, of people we love. We have to entrust those people. We have to entrust our own lives. We have to trust them to the Lord. You pray about everything, and when you give it to him, you don't worry. Why? Why don't you worry? Because you know that God's got it. When you turn it over to God, you trust him with it. Um, this was a, uh, uh, something that was done at the previous uh, a sister church of ours, another Christian fellowship down in South Texas that, that, uh, that we were a part of. They had a, a box just a, a, a random box. They probably found it at Hobby Lobby because that's where all good Christian boxes come from. Um, and, and there was this box that they kept up at the front of the, the, the building, and they called it the God box. And it was brilliant. And I'll tell you this, it was a simple concept. It was basically a place to drop off prayer requests. And so people would come in, and they would write down their prayer requests. They would come up to the front, and they would drop it in the God box. And it was said then that, okay, You've released it. You've dropped it off with God. Now, if you want to worry about it, if you want to bring it up, you're going to have to come back up to the building. You're going to have to come up through the week. You're going to have to open up that box, dig through a hundred plus different other prayer requests from somebody else, find yours, and then you can take it back from God and you can worry about it. I don't think we correlate a lot of times how we, we pray about something, we give it to God, and then we immediately turn around and we start worrying about it, or, or myself, look, I, I'm just as guilty about this, I'll, I'll give something to God, I trust him with it, and then I'm like, well, God, it's kind of taking you a little long. You think you could kind of speed up this process? I don't know if I really like the timing that you're dealing with this, it's not the manner in which I would deal with it, God. And so what do we do? Immediately, when we start to worry about it, it's the sin of distrusting the promises of God. Worry is taking that very thing that you entrusted to him, taking it back and saying, ah, I got this. I don't know that you can handle it like I can handle it. I'm going to hold on to it for a while. Worry. <laughs> I think some of you need to make yourself a, a God box. Take your worries, give them to God, and, and then know, look, if you want to come back to that, you're going to have to go through that box, open it up, find it, and and actually go through the physical act of saying, God, I'm, I'm taking this back from you. Now, when we give stuff to God and don't worry about it, that doesn't mean that we don't do anything. If you can do something about it, you do something about it. We do what we can do, and we trust God to do what we cannot do. 
If I can do something about it, I'm going I'm to do something about it. But if I can't, then I'm going to have to trust God and not worry about it. When there's something you can't do, give it to God. Uh, let's, let's do this. Can you heal your loved ones? No. Now, yes, there, there's some, some conscious, great decisions knowing, uh, okay, well, listen, I, ha- I have a, we can go to this doctor, we can go see this person, we can get sound advice here and here, but, but you cannot physically heal your loved ones. So what do you do? You've got to give them to God. All right, well, what about your struggling marriage? Can you change your spouse? Let me just, let's, let me just answer that one for you. Having been an unchanged spouse. <laughs> Can you protect your kids from all the dangers in this world? Can you train them up in the way they should go? Yes. But can you keep your kids from every single danger that's out there in this world. No, what do you have to do? You have to train them up in the way they should go. Yes, you do what you can do, but then you then say, okay, God, I'm giving you this. I'm trusting you with it. I'm trusting you with my children. Can you ensure that you're never going to be laid off, that you'll never have a financial hiccup? No. Can you control the future? No. Look, there's things in life that you just don't have a direct answer to. You don't have the ability to be able to control, but there is a God who can. There is somebody who cares, who says, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. I will be with you always, even to the utter ends of the earth. It's those things that we take and we say, God, I can't do this. And we release them to him. We do what we can, but then we release the rest to God. Can you change anything by worrying? Nope. Somebody you want to believe you can. You believe you have this supernatural power, a big W on your chest. I am super worrier. Look, worrying about something isn't going to change it, isn't going to fix it. If there's something you can do, yes, do it. But, but, but at the same time, at some point, you're going to have to be able to just release it and let God. Can, God. can God change anything by his power? Absolutely he can. I've seen him do it time and time again in my own life. So if there's something that you're worried about, you say, look, I'm not going to worry about anything, but in everything, I'm going to present my requests to God, and then... And then, in presenting your request to God, there's a peace that goes beyond your ability to understand, You're be- beyond your ability to grasp. It grabs you, and it gives you a peace that will guard your hearts, your minds, in Christ Jesus, only when you give it to him. You don't have to worry about what will happen when you know who is in charge. Now, if you're like me, which nobody else here is, you're not, no, nobody's like me. Me, like if there's a million possibilities of an outcome that I'm looking at as a scenario, I, I usually tend to go to like the worst possible case. Nobody else here does that. I know it's just me. But I look at a situation and, you know, all of a sudden my, my, uh, uh, my, my daughter Jillian, she's now 15 and can, can <laughs> drive. <laughs> And has 16-year-old friends who can drive without another adult in the car. <laughs> and so she's like, Dad, I'm going over to so-and-so's house. They're picking me up. We're going to wherever. I'm like, yeah, sure. They leave the house. She hasn't texted me that they've arrived. <laughs> Granted, it takes 10 minutes to get there, and it's five minutes later. But that doesn't matter because something has happened on the way from here to there. 
The mind will immediately go to all these different crazy scenarios of literally the million different options that something could happen. Our minds usually tend to go to the worst possible case. But listen to this. Paul tells us what to do. Uh, I jumped ahead. Don't, we're not going to, we're going to go back. Pause. Nope. Yep. Nope. <laughs> it's here, I promise. Yes! Okay, so Paul tells us exactly what to do. He continues on in verses 8 and 9. He says, finally, finally, my brethren, finally, my brothers, my sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent, if anything is praiseworthy, think about such things. He doesn't write of the million different options. Please focus on, consider the worst possible outcase scenario. If anything is horrid, if anything is, is mutually just going to tear you apart, if anything is, is totally going to just rip your heart apart, dwell on that, please. That's not what Paul says. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent, praiseworthy, think about those things. And then he says, and whatever you've learned, whatever you've received, whatever you've heard from me, whatever you've seen me put into practice, do those things and the God of peace will be with you. Some of you are, are, are a wound up ball of worry. If you're looking for peace, some of it's going to start by just saying, all right, God, I give it to you because it's then, it's then that the God of peace will be with you. You don't have to worry about what's going to happen when you know who is in charge. You don't have to worry about what's going to happen in life when you know who is in charge. You give it to God and you let his peace guard your heart, your mind, your soul in Christ. Here's another thing, number two, uh, the first one being we, we tend to dwell on what's going to happen. I think a lot of us are always worried about what we have. We don't want to admit it, but we're worried about what we have, where we are in life, our status. Look, you can, you can be content with something until you see somebody else's something. Here, uh, here this last week, a couple years ago, I, uh, I purchased a, a small car knowing that my daughter was going to be eventually turning 16. <laughs> <laughs> knowing that she was turning 16, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go ahead and get a safe car now. I'm going to drive it for a couple years. And, and look, I've, I've, I've driven a truck for 18 years. And now all of a sudden I'm, I'm driving this hybrid eco. <laughs> I feel great about it. I do. I love it. But I, look, it's been a great car. It's a phenomenal car. And when I first got it, the kids were all excited about it. I mean, it's faster than the big bulky cars that we were driving. You can zip in and out of traffic. You can, it's even got sport mode. I don't let them use it, but I've tried out sport mode. There's some fun things about it, but this last week, I've been you know, realizing, okay, it's going to be close to time when, when I'm going to need to let Jillian have a car, and i got to have a truck again. So I started looking again for a truck, and I'm test driving this one particular truck. Again, my kids, a week ago, told me how much they love the car. It's super fast, so much faster than any other car. We get into this truck, and they're like, oh, <laughs> it was nice. I turned it back to the dealership. And the next morning, my daughter wakes up, looks outside, my youngest daughter, Jordan, she looks outside and she goes, 
I hate your small car. <laughs> it really is a matter of perspective. We worry about what we have usually after we realize what we don't have. You can be super excited about your house until you, you visit your friend's house and then you come back to your own shack and you're thinking, little shack. <laughs> it's all these different things in life that we sit there and we worry about what we have. We're content and then all of a sudden we're not. So Paul has this to say for us. He says, look, you don't have to worry about what you have when you know who truly satisfies. We don't have to worry about what we have when we know who truly satisfies. And then basically he says, look, I'm going to give you one of the greatest spiritual secrets in all the world. I mean, he tosses it up, lobs it up for you. He says, listen here, listen closely because this is good. He says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord. Again, that, that same line, rejoice in the Lord. And then he continues on and he said, you've renewed your concern for me. He was thanking them at this particular, what he's talking about, they've, they had the, the church at Philippi had just taken up this financial gift to send to him. They had given to a gentleman who had had to, had to sneak it into Rome, sneak it into to, to what was going on and, and get it to Paul, even though he was under arrest, uh, chained to a Roman guard. They had presented this gift to Paul just because of their love, their admiration for him. And so he looks at him, and because of this thing, he says, look, I rejoice. I rejoice in God's goodness. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you haven't had the opportunity to show it. And then he continues on in verse 11. And now listen here. He says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need. He's writing from prison. And yet in his mind, remember, worry is a matter of perspective. In his mind, even though he's chained to a Roman guard, even though he's on death row, even though he doesn't know the outcome of tomorrow, he doesn't know what it is that's going to happen, he still says, look, I, I have learned to be content. He's in prison, but from his perspective, he's not in need. I'm not saying this because I'm in need but I have learned to be content. Look, this was something that God had taught him. Contentment is a learned trait. We're not naturally content. We're naturally discontented because, because of our sinful nature. We're constantly always looking for something else, the biggest, the best, the greatest, the what is it. He says, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances, whether, whether it be good, whether it be bad, whether it be great or horrible, no matter what's going on, he says, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or whether hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And then here it is. He's telling us, he says, look, no matter where I am, no matter what's going on, no matter what I have or what I don't have, I don't have to worry. Why? <laughs> Why? Because I can do what? All things, everything, anything. I can do it all on my own accord, on my own account, because I worry about it, because I, because I hold on to it, because I, I won't let it go. No, why? Why? I don't, why? I don't worry about it because I have learned that in everything, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Because of my perspective, because of the life I've lived, because, of, because I was in complete sin, because I was running the complete opposite direction of God, because I was killing Christians, and God still took the time out for me. Because as I was serving him, he showed himself faithful when I was, being in, when I was imprisoned, when I was beaten, when I was flogged, when I was, when I, when I was chained. When, I mean, man, the list goes on. When I was stoned and left for dead, 
God's faithfulness was still there. And because I've experienced his presence, even in the greatest of trials, because I know that God has never left me and my God will never forsake me, because his love is better than life, I don't have to worry because I have given this to God. Even this situation that I'm in right now, I don't have to worry about where I am because I've given it to God. I don't have to worry about any of this. We don't have to worry about what you have when we know who truly satisfies. My health is in him. My life, my life is in him. My security, my security is in him. My relationships, my relationships are in him. My provision is always in him. It's not in my ability to control. I I don't have to worry. My life is in him. My life is in Christ. My life is in the Lord. And I can rejoice, again, not in my circumstance, through my circumstance, because I rejoice in the Lord. Whether having everything just the way I want it or whether being chained up to a Roman guard, I can rejoice in the Lord because I know that he is working in all things to bring about good for those whose hearts, who believe, who trust in the Lord. I can rejoice because I know that he's working it all out for those that, are, for those that love him and are called according to his purpose. You see, guys, it really is just a different perspective. You want to know how to focus life? It's not focusing on the circumstances, focusing on the end game, on the one who controls the circumstance. Trusting in him no matter the situation, what you, what you think should happen. It's a different perspective. And when you get to that place, you find out it's, it's not about you, the end game. It's always, it's all about Christ. It's about him. As I close this morning, as I wrap up, I just want to read off a couple of scriptures here for you. Listen here. Psalms 37.4 says, delight yourself in the new things that you get. <laughs> no, 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 no. Psalms 37.4 says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Psalms 11.1 1 says our hiding place, our, our place of refuge, our secret place, our place of safety is in the Lord. We take refuge in him. In Psalm 118.8, it says that it's better to take refuge in Christ and the Lord than, than to trust in what we tend to always trust in. Again, it's, it's I'll do what I can do, but I'm going to give God what I cannot, and I'm going to trust him with it. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says... Trust in the Lord and lean not on your own understanding. I think it's our own understanding a lot of times that gets in a lot of our way. We think we have it figured out. We think we know what's best. But again, what we're doing is we're focusing on the immediate instead of focusing on an end game. A perspective. Worry really is just a matter of perspective. And, and God, his perspective, there is no worry. Why? Because he knows the end. <laughs> he knows the end. And he's telling us the same, look, trust me, trust me with all. Trust in the Lord and he will make your path straight. Look, not because of what you've done, but because of the one in whom you've believed. Not because of what you've done. There's people here this morning, and, and man, I've heard it time and time again. We sit there and, and we discount ourselves. I don't know if, if I could ever be right with God. I don't know if, if I could, you know, if God could ever truly love me because of and we sit there and we go through the list of why. Look, man, it has nothing to do with what you've done. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you believe in your heart, you speak it from your mouth, God, I believe in you. 
He says, I'm faithful and just to forgive of all sins. So the same, just as it's not about all the bad that you've done in your past, it's as well not about how good you are. The end game, life itself today is not about how good I was because that, that makes no difference here. Well, I go to church every Sunday. And growing up as a kid, I still remember my parents playing a, a song from, uh, there was a, a singer at the time by the name of Keith Green. And on one of his albums, he, he said something that just always stuck with me, reverberated even through life. So I was going about different things. He, he said, look, going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger. <laughs> it's not about what you do it's not about who you were it's totally about him for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son he loved you that much that even when you were in your sin even when you were dead in your sin even like Paul when you were going the opposite direction doing all that you could to try and stay away or maybe just the opposite even when you were doing everything right by the book and you thought that you were just perfect God says, I loved you so much that I sent my son just for you. He desires a relationship. He desires so much more. He, he doesn't want church Christians. Well, I show up on Sunday morning. I show up to my life group. I show up to this. And, and, and I mean, look, those are great things. They can build you up. They can edify you. But I promise you, they're not going to give you the end game. They're not going to get you into heaven. What it is, it's a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's believing in your heart. Nothing short of belief in him and him alone is going to get you there. When we are hidden in the Lord, look, guys, I'm telling you, man, you don't have to worry about your money. You don't have to worry about your job. You don't have to worry about your relationships. You don't have to worry about your kids. You don't have to worry about any of the things that we sit there and we ball ourselves up about. Why? Because when you sit there and you trust in him, his peace guards your heart. You know who truly satisfies. And so today... Whatever you carried in here this morning that's a concern to you, I, I would pray that you, can, you do what you can do. But then we trust God with what we cannot. We give it to him. We're going to pray about everything. And then we worry about nothing. Man, how awesome would it be in your life today to worry about nothing? It's not that far off. It's not some far out idea. It's not some, some you know, future concocted whatever. To be, the, the ability to be able to live your life without worry, it, it's written out right here. Paul spells it out for us. Don't be anxious about anything. Don't worry about anything. But in everything, in prayer, in supplication, you give it to God. And then what? And then trust Him with it. Trust Him with it. Because it's in the Lord, and that's when peace of God transcends all understanding. Guard your heart and your minds in Christ. If you bow your heads with me, I want to go ahead and close this morning. Lord God, I, I thank you, and I pray, Father, that your spirit here this morning would minister in a way, Lord God, to each and every one of our hearts, healing into our worried hearts, Lord God. It's natural, God, for each and every one of us, we're, we're consumed constantly with the cares, with the worries of the world. But today, God, I pray that your spirit, your presence, the, the teaching of your word, the goodness of who you are, Lord God, your spirit would minister to us, that would set us free, that would help us to see, Lord God, that we don't have to worry. As I continue to pray, I, I, look, I, I think there's people here this morning that, that need a, a, a supernatural God box. A dump, dump box, if you will, just a, a place where you take those worries and you set them aside.
If you're here this morning, whatever it is, the worry that's been just dragging on your mind, on your heart, on your soul, and, and feeding your life to where all of a sudden you, you're wound up daily. For some of you, it manifests and you can't sleep at night because you sit there just conscious of the worry. For some of you, it's, it manifests itself in a way where it affects your interaction with relatives, with people, because, because you're constantly worried. You're constantly just, just worked up about certain emotions, certain things, and, and because you're not releasing it, all of a sudden, it's, it's tearing apart families. It's tearing apart lives. If you're here this morning and there's anything you walked in with today that, that you worry about, that you sit, and look, don't try and Christianize it, baby it by saying, well, I'm not worried, I'm, I'm just concerned, Brother Corey. Come on, man. <laughs> look, if you're here this morning and there's anything you walked in with this morning that, that, that's, that's a worry in your heart, I'm going to ask you to give it to God. Across the room, let me have everybody stand up if you'll rise with me this morning. Look, it, it's... I want to do something that's, I'll say, kind of silly. But whatever that worry is in your mind, just, just wrap it up. Wrap it up into your hand. Just think about whatever that situation is. Take it, and I pray this morning across the room that we take that worry and we extend it out to God and we let go. With me across the room, if you've got anything, Lord, man, Father, this morning, we take these situations, we take these circumstances, we turn them over to you, God. We pray that you would take them, Lord. With prayer, with supplication, with petition, we come before you and we present our request before you, God. And now as you've done that, as you've wadded it up, as you've taken it, as you've given it to him, I want you to think about that through the week. As you go back, as you start to worry, what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to physically come back to this point, to this place. You're going to have to reach out to God and you're going to have to say, God, I don't trust you with this right now. I'm taking it back. If you're here this morning, whatever it is, release it to him. And this morning, mentally, think about it. This week, as you go through life, you're going to have to go through. I want you to think about having to take it back from God. Man, that's hard to do. That's hard to do. Father God, I pray that people across this room, Lord God, would do just that. That they would present their requests to you. Whatever the situation, Lord God, the job situation, the family situation, the financial situation, the relationships, Lord Jesus, the family issues, Lord God, all of it that's going on, all of it that keeps us balled up in this life of worry, Father, we take it, we want it, Lord, and we hand it up to you this morning. Father, we give it to you. And right now, we pray that your peace would guard our hearts. That as we release these situations, that we wouldn't walk around without being able to sleep at night. That we would be able to lay our head on the pillow and be able to fall asleep immediately, Lord God. Because we know that the peace of God transcends all. and gives us a peace that goes beyond the human ability to even understand. God, we thank you right now for your peace. For your peace upon our lives. The ability, Lord God, to be able to not worry, to not be anxious about anything. We thank you, Father, for all that you're doing in our lives. God, I pray today, I know that there's many here this morning that are, that are dealing with tragedies, with uncertainties, with hurt, but I thank you, Lord God, that you're good through and through, that the situations that we don't understand, that the situations that in the natural look hard, they look, they look like the, it's insurmountable, God. Father, we know that you work all things together for the good to those that are called according to your purpose right now. And Father, that's exactly what we do. We sit there and we take these situations, we give them to you. Father, we thank you. Lord, I, I, no matter what happens, I thank you that we can do all things through your Son who gives us strength. 
not by our own power, not by our own ability to understand, but God, we trust in you. We lean not on our own understanding, but in all of our ways, in everything that we do, we acknowledge you. Thanking you, rejoicing in you, Lord God, that you make our paths straight. We choose to rejoice this morning, Lord God. And we thank you, Father, for spiritual breakthroughs today in the hearts and the lives of people. For so many, Lord God, who are choosing to put their trust in you, to give their burdens to you. God, we trust you to work on our behalf. It's in the name of your Son that we pray. Amen. 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 Man, give up a clap, Auburn. Trust in him in all your ways. Acknowledge, and he will direct your path. God bless you all. Hey, if you're a guest here, if you're new here, please come see us in the back so we can say hello. God bless you all. Y'all have a wonderful, wonderful Sunday.